All right, let's begin tonight by reading from our Bibles, if you would. Turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 4. And I want to read just a couple of verses there. Verses 18 through 22. Matthew chapter 4, beginning at verse 18, we read these words. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea. For they were fishers. And he saith unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. And going on from thence, he saw other two brethren, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, in a ship with Zebedee their father, mending their nets, and he called them. And they immediately left the ship and their father and followed him. Followed, uh, followed him. Now, I want to stop there, and I'm going to ask you to turn over to the book of Acts, chapter 9, and just leave your Bibles open there, if you would. We'll come to that in just a moment, and we'll read it in full, and then we're going to spend the rest of our evening in the handout, kind of uh, referring back and forth from Acts chapter 9. So in our handout, if your Bibles are open to the Acts chapter 9, notice the response to the Word of God. They straight away, this is in the handout, first paragraph at the top of the handout there. They straight away, they immediately. This is the response to the Word of Power. The irresistible Word, and we read about that in 1 Thessalonians 1 verse 5. For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power, and in the Holy Ghost, and in much assurance. When God speaks to the heart of one for whom he has loved, he speaks with irresistible power. John chapter 5 verse 21, we read this, For as the Father raiseth up the dead and quickeneth them, even so the Son quickeneth, whom he will. That word quickeneth means to be made alive or given life. We read this in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 through 5. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened, hath made us alive, given life, together with Christ, by grace ye are saved. Now, we're familiar with this, the call of Lazarus, are we not? The Lord spoke to Lazarus in that tomb, he quickening, quickening him, giving him life. The Lord said, Lazarus, come forth. And he did what? He came forth, giving evidence of life where one was once dead. The word came with power, power to move mountains, and it resulted in Lazarus, still wrapped in his burial clothes, coming to the call. Folks, I'm here to tell you, that is straight away, and that is immediately. That's what we're going to be focusing on tonight, is they straight away. They got up, and they heard the word of power, and they got up, and they straight away followed him. Lazarus straight away came to the Lord. Now this is the word preached. Christ the Lord Jesus, the God-man, 
God in human flesh, the power of God, and Him crucified for those whom He has loved with an everlasting love. Last paragraph, page 1. There is another place where the Spirit of God has inspired the writer to use these words straight away and immediately in describing the effectual calling of one of God's saints. Brother Norm referred to this and spoke a little bit about it last Wednesday night. I want to go into it a little bit deeper. Page 2. And this is where I have uh, the full scripture in the handout. Acts chapter 1, or chapter 9, verses 1 through 20. But I'm going to make some comments on the way through reading the full thing. It says in verse 1, And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest, and desired of him letters to Damascus, to the synagogues, that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. So we see there in those first two verses of Acts chapter 9, Paul, a Pharisee of the Pharisees, has gone unto the high priest and asked for letters. Look here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go down to Damascus. Can you give me some letters giving me the authorization to persecute, persecute the, the Christians, those who have fallen away from Jewish tradition and began to follow this man called Jesus. Verse 3, Acts 9, verse 3. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. Now I want to stop there and give you a, a quote from John Gill because I caught that and I was like, I had to figure out what that was. I just knew that was going to trigger somebody's uh, uh, wondering of what it means. And the best I could do is quote from John Gill. He wrote this regarding the last part of verse 5. It means to resist or to resist me as the Arabic version renders it, and which is the sense of the phrase. It is a proverbial expression taken from beasts that are goaded who kick against the goads or the pricks. They kick against the, the, the tool that is used to goad them along, to, to get them to go along. And they hurt themselves the more thereby that they kick against it. Christ is using it, suggesting hereby that should Paul go on to procure persecute him and his people to oppose his gospel and the strong evidence of it in doctrine and miracles and notwithstanding the present remonstrances made in such an extraordinary manner he would find himself in the issue greatly hurt by it and could not rationally expect to succeed against such a powerful person so that's what the I believe that's a good explanation of what that means when the Lord said it is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. Continuing on in Acts chapter 9, this time verse 6, And he, speaking of Paul, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise, and go into the city, and it shall behold thee, be told thee what thou must do. And then the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, 
but seeing no man. And Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no man, but they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And when he was there three days without sight, and neither did eat nor drink, <coughs> and there was, certain there was a certain <coughs> disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. Page 2, 3. And the Lord said unto him, Arise, and go into the street, which is called Straight, and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he prayeth, and hath seen in a vision a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him, that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered the Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he hath done to thy saints at Jerusalem. And here, and here he hath authority from the chief priest to bind all that call on thy name. But the Lord said unto him, unto Ananias, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me, to bear my name before the Gentiles and the kings and to the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way and entered into the house, and putting his hands on him, said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus, that hath appeared unto thee in the way as thou camest, hath sent me, that thou mightest receive thy sight, and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And immediately, here's those two words coming, and immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been scales, and he received sight forthwith, and arose, and was baptized. And when he had received me, he was strengthened. Then was Saul certain days with the disciples which were at Damascus, and straight away, there's those two words, immediately and straight away, he preached Christ in the synagogues that he was the Son of God. Considering Saul's conversion as our example, there are five distinct acts of grace by which all who are saved have been brought to repentance and faith in Christ. Listen to these words from Psalm 65, verse 4. Blessed is the man whom thou choosest and causest to approach unto thee, that he may dwell in thy courts. We shall be satisfied with the goodness of thy house, even of thy holy temple. Page 4. Now the first thing we see is divine election right there in verse 15 if you'd like to look back at your Bibles again at verse 15 but the Lord said unto him go thy way for he is a chosen vessel so we see right off here that one of the graces that we see here one of the five graces we see in God in the work of God is divine election he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel no one has ever been saved or ever will be, this is back in our handout, top of page 4, except those who are the objects. Let me repeat that. Those who are the objects of God's eternal electing love. Listen to 2 Thessalonians 2, verses 13 and 14. But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved. 
of the Lord, loved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification, setting apart, being made holy, of the Spirit and belief of the truth, whereunto he called you by our gospel, that's the preaching of the gospel, to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. God's operation of grace towards Saul began long before Damascus Road. Saul, as all of God's people, are chosen to salvation before the world began. Isn't that what we read in Ephesians 1, verses 4 through 6? According as he had chosen us in him, in his Son, the Lord Jesus, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him. In love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. We're chosen into salvation before the foundation of the world, is what we just read there. We've been predestinated to be adopted, to be the adopted children by Jesus Christ to himself. Going on in the handout, when God sent Ananias to preach to this newborn babe in grace, yes, Paul was, Saul was a newborn babe in grace. The very first thing Ananias preached to him was election. Over in Acts chapter 22, verse 13 through 14, Paul is standing before the court of the Sanhedrin, or uh, the Pharisees, and he's, he's standing before the court describing what had happened to him. He said, Ananias came unto me and stood and said unto me, Brother Saul, receive thy sight. And that same hour I looked upon him and he said, The God of our fathers hath chosen thee. That was the first thing, that was the first thing that stuck to his mind. I remember that when I first heard it, sitting on that pew over there in the, in, the, in the main hall and Gene preaching the word of election to the people the, the, the predestination and I thought to myself that makes more sense than anything I've ever heard in my life it stuck with me it stuck with me it did with Paul also he said that thou shouldest know his will and see that the just one and shouldest hear the voice of his mouth faith in Christ is not the cause of election but it is the fruit and the proof of election. Listen to Acts chapter 13, 48. And when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord. And as many as were ordained to eternal life did what? They believed. That's faith, folks. We believe. When a sinner bows to Christ, trusting Him as our Savior and Lord, we can say with confidence, the God of our fathers hath chosen thee. We would, not come, we would not and could not choose the Lord, but He chose us. And His choice of us made our choice of Him certain. Listen to John 15, 16. Ye have not chosen Me, but I have chosen you, and ordained you that you should go forth, that you should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain. Page 5. Brother Don Fortner wrote this. He said, Election said... Saul of Tarsus shall be saved. God's merciful decree said, Saul will be saved at noon on the Damascus Road at the day appointed. 
predestination drew the map by which Saul must travel to the appointed place of mercy. Providence led him along the predestined path to the place and the hour when Christ must be revealed to him. And it came to pass. Next we, we see the grace of divine revelation. In Acts chapter 9 verse 3, back in our Bibles, if you'd like to refer to it there, it says, and, he is, and, and as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. This is divine revelation. The light of God shining on the hearts of a, of a cold, black, dead heart, cutting that old heart out of the way and giving a new heart. To see the, the divine revelation of Christ. Listen to Galatians chapter 1 verses. We're back in our handout again. Uh, listen to the, uh, these words from Galatians 1, 15 through 16. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace, to what? To reveal. To reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the heathen. Though he was chosen of God, Saul could never be saved until he was made to see that just one. Again, in the book of Acts, chapter 22, we read these words in verse 14. And he said, The God of our fathers hath chosen thee, that was Ananias speaking to Paul, that thou shouldest know his will and see that just one and shouldest hear the voice of his mouth. So when it pleased God to reveal His Son in him, suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. He saw Christ and the glory of God in Christ. Listen to 2 Corinthians 4, 6. For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness hath shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. He saw the same thing that Moses saw over in Exodus chapter 33. And I put those verses in our handout, uh, bottom paragraph of page 5, beginning at verse 18. And he said, I beseech thee, speaking of Moses, speaking to the Lord, show me thy glory. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before thee, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee, and will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. And he said, Thou canst not see my face, for there shall no man see me and live. And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me, and thou shalt stand upon a rock, and it shall come to pass, while my glory passeth by, that I will put thee, notice who it is, that, notice how he gets to this cleft. It says, I will put thee in a cliff of the rock and will cover thee with my hand while I pass by and I will take away mine hand and thou shalt see my back parts but my face shall not be seen. And then in that same chapter uh, or in chapter the next chapter 34 verses 6 through 8 we read these words and the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed the Lord the Lord God merciful and gracious, long-suffering, and abundant in goodness and truth. Page 6. Keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, 
and that will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children, upon the children's children, under the third and to the fourth generation, and Moses made haste and bowed his head. Now did you notice that? Moses made haste. That's that's exactly what we're talking about uh, in the in the beginning there. Straight away, immediately, Moses made haste and bowed his head toward the earth and worshipped. Paul saw that just one, the same that Moses had just had just been given uh, the ability to see the backside of. He saw that just one of whom he had heard Stephen speak of. He was made to see by divine revelation the glory of God in His absolute sovereignty, infinite grace and mercy, inflexible justice, and he saw how that God can be both gracious and just in saving sinners by the substitutionary blood atonement of that just one, the Lord Jesus. Listen to Romans 3, verses 24 through 26. Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God to declare, I say at this time, His righteousness that He might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. That's exactly what Paul saw in the preaching of Ananias to him that day. Salvation comes to sinners when they are given a revelation of Christ and the glory of God in Him by the Spirit's effectual application, the application of the gospel to their hearts. When a person sees Christ as He is and is, and is reconciled to Him in His true character, He is saved. Next we see the divine call. If you want to refer to your scriptures, or I can just read it for you back in Acts chapter 9, verses 4 through 9, we read these words, And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he, Saul, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told of thee what thou must do. And the men which sojourned with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. And Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no man, but they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was three days without sight, and neither did eat nor drink. This is the divine call of God to each and every child. Back in our handout, bottom paragraph, page 6. There's a general call which men and women can and do resist. In Matthew 20, verse 16, and also in 22, 14, we read, For many be called, but few chosen. The general call goes forth indiscriminately to all who hear every time the gospel is preached. 
but there's an effectual call as well. No one will ever be saved until he or she receives this effectual, irresistible call of the Holy Spirit by which helpless, totally depraved, spiritually dead sinners are brought to life and faith in Christ by the power of God. Listen to John chapter 5, verse 25. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming, and now is, when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they shall hear, and they that hear shall live. And these familiar words also, in Ephesians 2, verses 1 through 5, and you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sin, where in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince and the power of the air. Uh, page 7. The spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as those, but God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace ye are saved. Holy Scriptures give us numerous, many, many illustrations, and I've, I've put a couple here for you, Ezekiel 16, verses 6-8, through 8. Ezekiel 37, the, the valley of the, of, the, of the dry bones, that's verses 1-14, through 14. Uh, the, whole, the whole army of Israel is is that story. And then John 11, verses 43 and 44, and 1 Corinthians 1, verses 26 through 31. That one closes with, He that glorious, let him glory in the Lord. So there's many, many scriptures where the Lord shows uh, uh, illustrations of the effectual call. Saul was one of Christ's sheep. Mid-page of page 7. The time had come for the good shepherd to call his wandering sheep. When he calls his sheep, hear his voice and follow him, as it says in John chapter 10, verse 27 through 30, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me and I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. This call of the Spirit is called the effectual call because it gets the job done. Psalms 65, verse 4, again we read these words, Blessed is the man whom thou choosest and causest to approach unto thee. In Psalms 110, verse 3, we read these words, Thy people shall be willing in the day of thy power. It's a personal call. Look at verses 4 and 5 again. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to prick. Now remember, it also says over there in verse 7, Men who were journeying with them, they stood speechless, yep. hearing a voice, but seeing no man. They heard the voice too, but they didn't hear with the ears of the heart, like Paul had. The Lord was speaking to Paul personally, just as he spoke to me personally the first time his gospel was preached to me with the power, the power that is spoken of through God. 
Back in our handout, bottom paragraph of page 7, the Lord convicted Saul of his sin, of his sins with the words, Why persecutest thou me? It's a humbling call, as we see in verse 6. And he trembled, and he was astonished. Lord, wilt thou, what wilt thou have me to do? Saul fell to the earth, submitting to the claims of Christ, his sovereign Lord. This call of the Spirit is also a distinguishing call, as we see in verse 7. That was where the, the men heard and, and did not see any man. The men who were with Saul, they saw a light. They heard a voice and were afraid. They knew something was going on, but not what? This call of grace separated and distinguished Saul from his companions. Listen to these words of 1 Corinthians 4, verse 7. For who maketh thee to differ one from another? Who maketh us to differ from the ones who hear the gospel preached and, and, and fall by the wayside? Again, the call of God is an awakening. Page 8. It's an awakening call as we read in verse as we read in verse 6. Once he was called of God, Saul began to call upon God. Did you notice that? He said, "Lord, what would you have me to do?" Blinded now to all earthly concerns, Saul began to seek the Lord with an earnest heart. For 3 days he was in suspense and darkness. Listen to the words of Acts chapter 9 verses 8 through 9. And Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no man, but they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was three days without sight, and neither did eat nor drink. Now, Matthew Henry wrote this about that. He says, he was all this time in the belly of hell, suffering God's terror for his sins, which were now set in order before him. Well, I'll tell you, that's exactly what happened to me. I knew that. I remember that clearly. I be I knew I was a sinner deserving God's wrath. How did I know? Well, who is it that makes us to differ? Who is it? Kathy looks up. You know who. <laughs> he was suffering God's terror for his sins, which were now set before him. He was in the dark concerning his own spiritual state and was so wounded in the spirit for sin that he could relish neither meat nor drink. He couldn't eat or drink. He was so disturbed by the sin that was within him. Again, on page 8, second paragraph, we also see divine illumination in Acts chapter 9, 17 and 18. God sent a preacher to Saul who told him all the truth. Then the scales of darkness and ignorance, superstition and tradition fell off his eyes and he received his sight. When Ananias instructed Saul in the way of faith, the way of comfort for God's people as Isaiah was instructed to do. In Isaiah 40, verses 1 and 2, remember where it says, Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people. Well, what was the word he was supposed to comfort with? That your warfare is accomplished. Remember that? Paul received his sight once, that, once it, uh, Ananias had done what God had instructed him to do. Well, what, what, what did he see? He saw Christ as his substitute God as his father and the Holy Spirit as his comforter he saw it to be his duty and his privilege to follow Christ in all things beginning with believers baptism and he did it the will of God became the rule 
of his life as it does in all of God's children. And lastly, we see a divine conversion that is given to us in, in Acts chapter 9, 18 through 22. And immediately there fell from his eyes as it had been scales, and he received sight forthwith and arose and was baptized. And when he had received meat, he was strengthened. Then was Saul certain days with the disciples which were at Damascus, and straightway he preached Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. Last paragraph of page 8 of our handout. Saul was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. Grace converted him. The Apostle Paul, writing to the saints at Philippi, wrote this, Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, this is verses 4-14 through 14 of Philippians 3, If any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, and Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law, a Pharisee concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless, but what things were gained to me, those I count loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but lost for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win Christ, and be found in Him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of His sufferings being made conformable unto His death, page 9, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, either, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which I also apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. Now I want to stop there for just a moment. One thing I do is forgetting those things which are behind, forgetting those religious things, things that we used to all do in our lives and even though I wasn't going to some church somewhere I had the religion of John if you weren't going to church somewhere you had the religion of self forgetting those things of religion that we once had behind and looking and going forth unto those things which are before I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus all that Paul once cherished, he now renounced. His righteous deeds, his religious works, his reputation as a Pharisee, he now counted it to be but manure. He turned from religion to Christ. Grace turned him from mere form of godliness to worship and serve the living God. And as he was turned 
forever, as Solomon, son of David, wrote in Ecclesiastes 3.14, I know that whatsoever God doeth, it shall be forever. Nothing can be put to it, nor anything taken from it, and God doeth it that men should fear before him. Immediately Paul confessed Christ in believers' baptism, as we read in verse 18, and he went on to write about that to the saints at Rome. Listen to these words in Romans 6, verses 4 through 6. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. Paul identified himself with the despised people of God that he once persecuted and the gospel of his grace. And he became a faithful witness of Christ. He laid down his life in the cause of Christ. Grace had made him a new man. 2 Corinthians 5.17 We read these words, Therefore if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. This is the way of God with men. This is the way God saves sinners. By election by revelation, by calling, by illumination, and by conversion. He saves in this way so that man's salvation will be to the praise and the glory of His grace. Page 10. It is this experience of grace that identifies who God's elect are. 1 Thessalonians 1, verses 4-10. through 10. Paul writes this, Knowing, brethren, beloved, knowing, knowing, and then he calls them brethren, beloved, loved, your election of God. For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and in, and in much assurance as ye know what manner of men we were among you for your sake, and you became followers of us and of the Lord, having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost, or from you sounded out the word of the Lord not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place your faith to God were to spread abroad. Not only, not only did they accept the gospel and, and, and proclaim it, in all of the persecution that was continued in that day, people from all around came to know their faith through their words. But also in every place of your faith to God were to spread abroad, so that we need not speak of anything. For they themselves show us what manner of entering in we had unto you and how ye turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for His Son from heaven, whom He raised from the dead, even Jesus, which delivered us from the wrath to come. When God speaks His word to the hearts of those He loves, 
The power that is His comes with it. We cannot unhear it. We do not resist it. They straight away followed Him. John chapter 10, verse 27 through 30. Once again, we read these words. Our Lord says, My sheep hear My voice, and I know them, and they follow Me. He doesn't say they might. He doesn't say they possibly will. He doesn't say they're going to wait. He says, They follow Me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of My hand. My Father which gave them Me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of My Father's hand. I and My Father are one. Amen. Straight away. You know, it doesn't seem like it when it happens. I remember it was several, several months. I would go after a message. I, well, the, very, the very next Sunday, Kathy asked me, she goes, where are you going? I said, I'm going back up to church. Why? I don't know. I, I just got, I got to go. And I went. But the Sunday before, it was I'm going to go talk to my brother Lee. The next Sunday was, I just, I don't know, I got to go. And then several for several months after that, I would go to Steve afterwards, or Gene and Steve together, and I would, I, I don't know what's going on with me. So it doesn't seem like it's straight away, but when I look back on it, I didn't look at myself the same anymore. I didn't look at John Reeves the same anymore. The, the sins that enveloped Paul for those three days enveloped me and caused me over and over again, Lord, will you have mercy on me? So, in a sense, when you look back on it, it is straight away, even though it didn't feel like it at the time. I never turned back again to what was before. And I'll never turn back to that as long as God be with me. Damn. And if I belong to Him, that Damn. will never happen. happen. Never happen.